from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Everyone agrees that humility is an important virtue, and according to one school of Jewish thought, it is the most important virtue, the foundation of all other virtues. But in the age of social media and the selfie, truly humble people are hard to come by. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about humility. There are a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be humble, and it's time that we cleared them up. We'll begin with a verse in Leviticus that contains a Hebrew word written in a mysterious way, and we'll uncover a hidden message about what humility really is and how we can master it. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week, we begin the third of the five books of Moses, the book of Leviticus. The Parsha is called Vayikra, and it covers the first five chapters in Leviticus. In this Parsha, this portion of the Bible, God tells Moses all about the different offerings and sacrifices that were brought to the temple. Each offering had its own set of instructions and served a different purpose. Today we're going to focus on the first verse of the Parsha, the first verse in the book of Leviticus. This is what it says. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said... Okay, I'm going to actually stop there. I know it doesn't sound very exciting, but as we're about to see, this very short verse, which doesn't seem very interesting, tells us much more than the fact that God spoke to Moses. If I could show you a Torah scroll or just about any Bible written in the original Hebrew and it was open to this verse, you would notice something very strange. The first word of Leviticus is vaikra, which literally means, and he called. Even if you can't read Hebrew, you would notice that the last letter of the word Vayikra is written very small, much smaller than all the other letters in the Torah. This isn't an accident. This is how the word has been written for thousands of years, ever since Moses received the Bible at Mount Sinai. It's one of the few places in the Bible where a letter is written in an unusual size. And whenever that happens, there is always a reason for it. And we have to ask ourselves, why? What's the reason? The rabbis explain that the word vayikra is a term of endearment. It is different from the Hebrew word that tells us that God spoke to someone. Vayikra tells us that God not only spoke to someone, but he called out to a human being in a loving and affectionate way. There aren't many people that God spoke directly to, and he called out to even fewer. The verse could have simply told us that God spoke to Moses, like it says many other times. But the fact that it also mentions that he called out to Moses tells us that Moses was especially dear to God and that he had a unique relationship with him. 
According to Jewish tradition, the reason why the word vaikra, this term of endearment, has a small letter at the end of it is because Moses decided to make it that way. But again, we have to ask why. Well, the answer is because of his great humility. Now, I know that this answer isn't completely satisfying. It leaves us with many more questions. What does this actually mean? How is making one letter smaller than the other an act of humility? Why did Moses do it? And most importantly, what can we learn from it? To answer these questions, we need to understand what true humility is. Numbers 12.3 tells us that Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. But what does that mean to be truly humble? In order to understand what humility is, let's start by understanding what it isn't. Because, like I said earlier, there are a lot of misconceptions about this word. When people think of a humble person, they often picture someone who is meek and quiet. Not someone who is bold and demanding, like Moses was when he demanded that Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, free the Israelites. And another way we might think of a humble person is as someone who doesn't think very highly of themselves, someone who believes that they are somewhat inadequate or less deserving than other people. But Moses wasn't like that either. In number 16, when Korah accuses Moses of hoarding too much power and thinking that he was better than the rest of the Israelites, Moses stood his ground. Clearly, he didn't think that he was less worthy than anyone else. If we think that humility means putting ourselves down, we are making a big mistake. And unfortunately, a lot of good people with the best intentions are making this mistake. A few weeks ago, I met up with the husband of a donor of the fellowship who was visiting Israel for the first time. I never met him before, but I've known his wife for a very long time. This woman is an extraordinary person who built a successful business and now she devotes her life to philanthropy. She's one of the smartest and kindest people that I know. And after I had coffee with her husband, I sent her a message saying how much I enjoyed meeting him and how he is such a wonderful person, just like she is. Her response was not exactly what I expected. She said, Yes, he's an amazing man, and I don't know how I got so lucky. I don't know why he puts up with me. You need a lot of patience to live with me. And on and on and on she went, speaking about herself in such a self-deprecating way. I kept writing and erasing messages I wanted to send to her. What I wanted to say was, why would you say that about yourself? You are amazing, and he is so blessed to have you as his wife. But I think that she really does know what a wonderful person she is. It's just that society sends us a message that it's prideful to think highly of ourselves, that we need to put ourselves down in order to be humble, that somehow believing that we are not that great is actually a virtue, that it's a sign of humility. But the truth is that real humility is just the opposite. Humility means knowing exactly how great we are. It's knowing our weaknesses, but also knowing our strengths and owning both of them. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I have a friend who is a medic. One time when he was on a plane, an elderly woman started to feel sick and showed signs of distress. The flight attendant announced what was going on and asked if there was anyone on the plane who could help. 
When no doctors got up, my friend went to help and thankfully he saved that woman's life. Now, what if he would have said to himself, I'm not really that great. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a medic. Who am I to go up there and help? That wouldn't have been humility. That would have been stupidity. But let's say there were some doctors on the plane who got up to help, but he pushed his way into the scene anyways so that he could be the hero saving an old woman's life. That would have been acting out of pride. Humility means knowing who we are, what we're good at, and what we aren't so good at. It means stepping forward when we have something to contribute, not for the applause, but because it's the right thing to do, and doing it humbly. I'll give you another example. In my synagogue, like most synagogues, the person that leads the prayer service is usually one of the members of the congregation, not a professional or an assigned leader. People take turns leading the prayers, but naturally they usually ask the members who have the best voices to lead the services. My husband, Amichai, Davins, he prays so beautifully. And whenever he leads the prayers, people always come up to him and tell him what a beautiful job he did, how much it moved their hearts, how authentic it was. And it would make him feel uncomfortable. He wouldn't feel good when everyone told him, oh, you prayed beautifully because he felt like it just went to his brain or his heart. He felt like it went to his ego. And so he started actually turning down the opportunity to stand up in front of the synagogue and pray. But at some point, he realized that he was taking the wrong approach. He realized that not using his talents, the ability to awaken people's hearts with such an authentic prayer to serve the community, wasn't an act of humility. It was holding back on what he had to offer for no good reason at all. So he started working on himself. He started to say yes whenever he was asked to lead the prayers, and now he does it a lot. Whenever he leads the services and people come up afterwards and compliment him, and they tell him what a good job he did, Amichai accepts their compliments graciously, but it never goes to his head, because as he's told me many times, he knows that his abilities don't come from him. They're a gift from God. And if he can use his gifts to help other people pray a little bit deeper, then that's the best way to use them. And that's really the key. Knowing that our gifts come from God makes all the difference between someone who is humble and someone who is proud. There is nothing wrong with acknowledging our value, knowing what we are good at and using our talents, even in public, even in a situation where we might receive a lot of honor. In fact, it can be a very good thing. The question is, are we doing it because we want honor and do our abilities inflate our ego? Or are our actions coming from a desire to contribute and do we give God the credit for what we can do and therefore our ego doesn't come into it? In Psalms 103, we read, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. As long as we are clear on who made us, we can use our talents while keeping a humble heart, a servant's heart, without our successes going to our head. This is what my father, Rabbi Yechiel Eckstein of blessed memory, was able to do. He never lost his humility, even when he was incredibly successful. And I'll tell you why. 
When my father founded the fellowship almost 40 years ago, he faced a lot of difficulties. He spent long days at the office working hard to turn his vision of building bridges between Christians and Jews into reality. And during that time, a lot of smart people told him that he'd never succeed, that it was an impossible dream. And many days, I'm sure it seemed like those people were right. On top of that, my father had to endure painful criticism from leaders in both faith communities who questioned his motives and his mission. He was attacked and shamed for what he was doing, and some people even tried to stop him. But my father never gave up. And years later, when the fellowship began to thrive, he earned the respect of presidents, prime ministers, rabbis, pastors, and all kinds of prestigious people. The fellowship became a household name, and my father was showered with all kinds of awards and praises. But none of that honor affected my father's character. Why? Because he never forgot those early years when it seemed very unlikely that he would succeed. He knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was the only reason why the fellowship was successful and that things could have easily turned out very differently. When it is crystal clear that our abilities and achievements come from God, we stay humble. We don't seek honor because we know that all the honor is due to God. And when we really understand this deep in our soul, not only don't we seek honor, we don't even want it. The rabbis explained this idea with a story. Once there was a king with a large kingdom. The king appointed an official to govern a far-off town. As the governor of the town, the official received a lot of respect from all of the townspeople. One day, the king decided to visit the town to see how things were going, but he decided to go in disguise so that no one would know who he was. Only the governor knew the king's true identity. As they traveled around town, people tipped their hats to the governor as a sign of respect, and they completely ignored the stranger who was with him. They had no idea that he was the king. But the more honor and respect the official received, the more he became embarrassed and uncomfortable. He knew that all the respect that he was shown was only because of the power that the king gave to him, and that really all of the honor belonged to the king alone, the king who was in disguise and not even being recognized. It works the same way with us, my friends. When we are truly aware that our power comes from our king, we are also aware that all the honor belongs to him and him alone. We stay humble knowing we are just the king's servant. We are confident in who we are and what we are able to do, and we use those gifts to the fullest to bless the world. But we don't need honor for it. We don't even want honor for it because the honor belongs to God. Okay, now I think we are ready to understand Moses and why he changed the size of the last letter of the first word of this week's Parsha. Let's review. The first word of the Parsha is Vaikra, which means, and he called. It's a term of endearment, which tells us that God called out to Moses in a way that he almost never did to any other human being. 
The word honors Moses by highlighting the special relationship that he had with God and the unique role that he was chosen to fill as the leader of God's people. But Moses, the most humble of all men, was uncomfortable with that honor. He made the last letter small, almost erasing it, so that instead of reading Vaikra el Moshe, and he called to Moses, we read Vaikar el Moshe, and he happened upon Moses. Moses was telling us that God happened to speak to him. God spoke to him, not because he is better than anyone else, but because God happened to choose him for his mission. God happened to give him certain gifts and abilities, but he could have just as easily given them to someone else. And who knows? Maybe another person would have done an even better job had they been chosen for the mission. Moses said, it happened to me, but it could have been you. I'm not better than anyone else and everything that I've accomplished is only because of God. This is his humbleness. And Moses had another message too. The letter that he made small, the last letter of the word vaikra, was the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph is associated with the number one, and because it is number one, it can be a symbol for one man or one God. Moses made the Aleph small, as if to say, I'm the small Aleph, the small one. God is the big one. He recognized that all honor was due to God and God alone, that his abilities were a gift from God and that he was merely the vessel through which God did great things. Moses knew who he was, what he had achieved and what he was capable of, but he was also aware that it had nothing to do with him and everything to do with God. He wanted us to know this and to learn that it works the same way with us too. We are also given a unique set of talents and abilities. God will use us to do amazing things. But we can never forget that our power comes from God and all the honor belongs to him as well. Do you want to be humble? Truly, truly humble? Then remember, you are the small one, the small Aleph. And God is the big one, the big Aleph. Everything we have, everything we are, and all that we achieve is from God. When you know this, you do what you have to do to make a mark on this world with your specific God-given talents. You don't seek honor and you don't even want honor. On the contrary, you are more interested in honoring other people so that they can feel good about themselves. True humility means that we don't seek to be raised up by honor, but it also means that we don't put ourselves down. It's about acknowledging our strengths and capabilities while understanding that all the glory belongs to God. In Micah 6, 8, we read, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This week, let's take some time to consider how we might walk humbly with God. Can you do an anonymous act of kindness? Can you do something that you can never be honored for? Something that only God will know about? 
How might you give honor to God for all of your accomplishments? Can you acknowledge him in prayer? Can you acknowledge him in the workplace or inside your home? What else can you do to stay humble and keep a servant's heart? I'd love to hear your ideas. Tell me. I want to know. Real humility, it doesn't bring us down. It lifts us up. It inspires joy, courage, and healthy self-esteem. And it lifts us up and closer to God. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.